0: What's up guys welcome back to the MMA meeting let's talk with weasel podcast where we talk all things MMA and I hope you guys are having an amazing day under these quarantine times. Now, I thought there was going to be no MMA news, but John Jones is like, I got you, fam. Goes into his car, pulls out a gun, and, and causes headlining news that he gets arrested. The police were responding to a gunshot, and they saw John Jones inside of his car. There's actually body cam footage you can see. So, Jones is sitting in his car. They asked him if he drank. He did. Definitely seemed a bit under the influence. They found a bottle of Corey Masvidal's alcohol behind the passenger seat, and it was only a quarter full. I believe the police said that they saw some marijuana on him. He had a gun under his seat. It was loaded. I think Irohawani said that there was a, a bullet casing that was fired also in the car. I don't know what's with John Jones I just don't know like especially during this whole coronavirus thing and everybody's staying inside I don't see how John Jones is gonna be like sane I don't know how he's gonna keep it together he's already getting in trouble with the law I mean how many times is this already three four times he has gotten arrested now credit this doesn't seem as bad as some of the other ones but I just hope he doesn't keep getting in trouble to the point where they're not gonna give any more chances Daniel Cormier is pretty much right I won't say he's rotten to the core but he makes such bad decisions it's crazy and a lot of people gave him the leniency that he was young young guys make mistakes he's 30 years old now yeah he's still young but he's at that age now where you usually learn your mistakes especially if you've been living so fast like Jones Jones maybe 30 but how fast he's been living his life he's actually like 40 45 years old you know what I'm saying and he's still making these mistakes I hope this just doesn't carry on further I mean I think he has a wife he has kids he has a lot of people riding on him he's getting older he's not in that young phase anymore and he just keeps letting people down and the funniest thing about this is he actually tweeted like seven days ago something in the neighborhood to help the human race all we gotta do is sit in front of the TV how can we mess this up one week later he goes and gets arrested by shooting a gun apparently allegedly Shooting a gun while he's intoxicated in his car, and he had no proof of insurance as well. Cars might be John Jones' biggest weakness. I mean, you guys ask me what is the biggest hole in John Jones' game? It's Cars, man. Any lawful official in MMA or outside of it, they seem to be the ones that are always defeating John Jones. Cars, USADA, and the Albuquerque police. Those are the guys defeating John Jones. Or you could just say John Jones is his own worst enemy. And a lot of people still see that same thing where he's smiling, he's quoting the Bible a lot, he's trying to be this nice guy, but he makes worse mistakes than most fighters in the UFC. His demeanor has never really changed that much. He still gives that same kind of vibe he did when he was like 24, 25 years old. It's almost like a dark feeling. Like people want to throw out, say he's a sociopath. I do not think he's a sociopath. I don't think he's anything close to that. But there's like a darker essence in his demeanor. You know what I'm saying? When he's trying to be all nice and goody two-shoes... You could see there's something under there still you know you could still see there's going to be some bad decisions made and i've been seeing a lot of people correlate this to the conor mcgregor situations punching the guy in the bar jumping the cage pushing refs throwing dollies at buses this is why you don't hold every mma fighter or just celebrity in general as a moral high ground you know what i'm saying just talking about it across the board right there are some celebrities and fighters just like anybody else, any human being, there are good people and there are bad people. In every single field. I don't explicitly look at the fighters for some kind of moral standard. And it just turns out, man, John Jones just cannot get out of trouble. Whatever it is, this is how many chances already. How many times does he have to face that judge? he have to face the people he has hurt and also maybe even more importantly face himself in the mirror every single time he makes these mistakes can you even call it a mistake anymore when you keep repeatedly doing the same thing over and over again it becomes a habit right it's not even a fine line there's a hard line you can see in the dirt where you can see a mistake become a habit usually it's very easy to prevent that for John Jones case Get a driver man, get a buddy, get a good positive person in your life who will call you out on the garbage things you do and the garbage way you think. Those are the real friends in your life. A lot of these athletes, a lot of these celebrities in general, they just do not have the right people around them. Constantly you see a lot of mistakes and you see a lot of bad habits from these people it's because they have too many yes men, too many people are afraid to call them out. And I don't even know why people are like that in general, especially today where things are a lot more sensitive now. When you call your friend out on something, it becomes personal. And they want to detach you away from the friendship. But no, when people call you out, it means that they care. And number two, it shows their emotional intelligence when it comes to friendships, companionships. It's a very healthy thing to have, right? Personally, with my friends, if I do something foul, I want them to call me out. It's exactly what I do to everybody. I do it to everybody I know. Thankfully, my friends and family are not the kind of people that will call me a hater if I call them out on some of their bowl, you know? I mean, like four or five years ago... Do I was hanging out with a bunch of friends, for an example. We used to go out every day during the summer. And for some reason, the longer I became friends with them, the more, they wanted to fight people. Like, it was weird. And most likely because I trained, and also my cousin used to hang out with us as well, and he used to box. So it was so uncomfortable. Almost every single place we started to go out toward the end of the summer, hey, let's go fight these guys. Like, some of my friends wanted to go out and fight others. It was just terrible decision making. And me and my cousin both called them out every time they did it. Every single time they had a thought about it or they talked about it because they would literally look at me and him and say, hey, we should go fight these guys. For an example, we were in this plaza and there was a brawl in front of a hookah lounge in the plaza. I was with my friend alone. It was just me and him and we were going to leave. We were going to drive out of the parking lot and he wants to go and park his car. And then he says to me. Hey, let's jump in there. I literally looked at him and I told him, if you jump out of this car and you get yourself involved in that, you're on your own, man. I told him that because I knew if he thought I didn't have his back, he would not have fought. And that's exactly what happened. We drove away. And that was one of the last times I've ever spent time with him. Now, thankfully, even that person after i said that they didn't hold me as some hater which is a very good quality that everybody should have if someone calls you out for some dumb thing you do or some dumb thing you say they're not a hater they're the opposite they are your supporter john jones that's what he needs he needs that friend in his life if his friend sees john jones drinking and he's gonna go in his car take his keys away don't let him get in his car something like that you got to help the guy out but it looks like he has so many yes men that want to just kiss his ass pretty much the entire time because he's famous and he has money those are the people you don't want in your life those are the people that drag you down look at Mike Tyson Mike Tyson got destroyed because of people like that around him but to Mike Tyson's credit he didn't know better because of the way he was brought up because of the way he used to live when he was young and also let's talk about this what's going to happen to John Jones? Is he going to get suspended? Is he going to get stripped? I doubt it looking at the usual methods the UFC goes by whenever one of their fighters commits some kind of crime. They don't usually strip them. They don't usually suspend them. In contrary, they actually promote it a little bit when it comes to their next fight. You can't blame the UFC too much for doing that because it is a big opportunity to make money and that's what they're pretty much in the business to do, especially with Endeavor taking over the business. Most likely, in it to make as much money as possible. There's a lot of talent, a lot of potential for the sport, the organization. And just like they did for John Jones when he fought Daniel Cormier the second time, look at that promo. They covered all of John Jones' previous criminal activity or every single time he broke the law. They brought it right into the promo. And it made an amazing promo out of it. They probably focus a little bit too much on that. And not so much on what Daniel Cormier has done. You know, the good things he has done. You know, Daniel Cormier is a good guy. He looks like a very good human being. He's a very busy guy. He fights, he trains, and he does that commentating job. And he's an analyst. And he still has time to give it to the youth. Give it to the kids. He seemed to be a great father, seems to be a great husband, overall really good person. But I would have liked in the promo, just like they covered the bad parts of John Jones, they should have covered more of the good parts of Daniel Cormier and made it almost like a good guy versus bad guy situation. But how many times is enough? Are they going to reward John Jones with more promotion, more money, because his next fight is going to be big no matter what. Whenever fighters, it's crazy to think about it, whenever fighters go through something like this, whenever they break the law and they get their next fight, everybody wants to watch it because... Now, a lot of people want to see that guy lose, right? So I expect John Jones' next fight to be pretty big, man. No matter who it's going to be against. Now, if they go in and strip him, of course they have to have Dominic Reyes versus Thiago Santos for the undisputed title. And it's not even that big of a deal because most of us already believe that John Jones lost to Dominic Reyes. You know, if he just goes out and gets the belt, nobody's gonna say, oh, Dominic Reyes doesn't deserve it. Only some people obviously will, but Dominic Reyes gets the belt, let's say he beats Thiago Santos. Can anybody say he's a fake champion? I guess because the official decision said that John Jones won... But in everybody's eyes, looking at the flawed criteria and judging, and not just that, the flawed perspective and lack of intelligence of the judges. No, I mean, I'll go on and say Dominic Reyes is the true champ. If Tiago Santos goes and beats Dominic Reyes, I believe he's the true champion as well. Because I also think Tiago Santos defeated John Jones, or at least made a very close call on changing that decision to his side. And if he goes on and beats the guy that controversially lost to John Jones... He's the guy. He's the man of the division. 100%. So they can go on and strip Jones and give it to the next guy. And I think the division rolls on really well. And that would be an amazing fight, man. Really good fight. Maybe Dominic Reyes' wrestling would be the deciding factor because he is a pretty good offensive wrestler when he wants to go to it. He is a lot better with his hands. He's a bit longer and taller the power probably goes to Santos, the speed goes to Santos for sure, and the explosiveness, unpredictability goes to him, but he attacks in straight lines, Dominic Reyes switches off with those angles like he did even to John Jones that caught him because of it, it might be pretty hard for Tiago Santos to catch Dominic Reyes with some of those blitz, but the leg kicks should be really working for Tiago Santos, the spinning kicks especially, they are going to be in opposite stances, so the kicking of Tiago Santos is going to be key in that fight, should be amazing. But the you know who seems to be having a really good time? That is Mike Perry Did you guys see the video? It's an older video of him knocking out some scrub It might be outside a club or something like that He hits this guy with a left hook Puts him out cold before he hits the ground Now, I don't know what happened There's no video footage of what happened to cause this But on Mike Perry's account This guy started the trouble with him He supposedly punched him before they started the video And what tells me is that guy, the scrub Is the one that started this all. Number one. Mike Perry's backing up. Right. He's backing away. And the other guy's walking forward. The guy the way he's walking. Doesn't look like he has the best balance to him. He might be drunk a bit. Man that was a quick left hook. And then with that Frazier. And the guy just saw smoke. And I gotta tell the guy man. If you're gonna start something. If you're gonna walk up to. Especially a guy with cauliflower ears. If he has cauliflower ears. You have to know the guy knows something. You know, he didn't get cauliflower ears for no reason unless he's some of those guys back in like 2005 who were punching themselves in the ear to create them the guys cauliflower ears probably do not start something or approach him and number two when you do get in front of him and this tattooed guy with cauliflower ears with his girlfriend pretty well dressed as well it seems like if he starts taking a stance or uh, i actually don't know about the outfit But if he takes a stance in front of you, why are you still standing there? You have your hands down, you're looking at him. Man, I wish I could do my street fright breakdown videos again. Because this would definitely be on one of them. It just shows you, man don't get in fights most people in the world do not know how to fight fighting is a skill i understand it correlates with anger and that's why a lot of these people who shouldn't be fighting actually get into fights but at the end of the day people have to know it's a skill and you should not be doing it if you're not good at it except if it's self-defense people who are not good at chess usually are not going to play chess people who are not good at basketball usually don't play basketball people who are not good at acting usually don't act you know it just goes across the board with a lot of things there is no other activity that is more participated in by the inexperienced than fighting period there are more inexperienced and uneducated people who participate in fights than any other activity on earth i don't know if it's 100 fact but i put anything on that you know it's just craziness and when that happens when those people try to get in fights this is what happens when you meet someone who actually knows what they're doing it takes one punch and it's all over you don't even know how to take a stance if you don't know how to get in a stance or you don't know when to get in a stance you probably should never be fighting man this quarantine stuff is playing with my head a little bit i'm not used to getting locked in this long it's been like three weeks since i haven't even left my house and i want to just go work out you know i want to like get this energy out somehow i'm running a lot I mean, it's been my biggest workout. It's been the most refreshing thing I've been doing is just going out and run a couple miles every day. But it's just not enough because how long does it take to run two miles? No more than like 17 minutes. So for the rest of the day I'm just in my house making videos and playing video games That's it That's usually what I do in my off time But because I have so much free time now I'm playing video games more than I'm doing anything else right now I mean I might be a pro gamer in like two weeks from now For the amount of time I'm putting in each day into this PS4 and PC Okay but let's get to the questions here oh, they actually added the reply feature to these questions. So yeah, a lot of you guys were asking me before, like, is there a way you can have us reply to the question? I couldn't do it. I looked all over. I tried for hours. I, I couldn't find a way to do it. But I guess YouTube just added it in. We're going to go to the most liked question. We're going to start with Mufasa Trump. What Bible quote will John post on Twitter now that he's been arrested for the 87th time? I don't know, maybe something like Matthew 6, 14 and 15. He'll put the picture of the quote in the, in caps and then in caption say, you have to forgive me. He can even go with Philippians 413 like his tattoo says that he could do all things through christ but it's not the right thing to do jones probably pointed at his tattoo no i could do all things through christ all things steroids cocaine all that all things jones probably took that quote to the absolute extreme to justify all the dumb things he does and then we go to Main G Mutt do you think the new generation of highly skilled lifelong martial artists will lead to much more point fights and strategic fights rather than your high paced just bleed fights of the past with less finishes overall lately how does the sport evolve from here? thanks weasel ah oh, I don't necessarily think so I can understand make a connection to boxing right as boxing got more skilled and more technical boxers became a lot more safe now that is not going to happen in mma for a long time because it's a lot easier to be defensive in boxing for the main reason you have two targets the head and the body and you have two hands with big gloves and boxing's been around for over a hundred years defense has been picked up and learned for over a hundred years and it's only one style pretty much there's like sub styles under the boxing name but the general style is boxing MMA is different Again, you can break countless different martial arts Even if you have all the defense to boxing, let's say in MMA You still gotta work on your karate You still gotta work on your Muay Thai Next thing you know, when all these guys have the defense up on boxing and Muay Thai And wrestling and Jiu Jitsu All of a sudden, you're gonna see this Taekwondo master come in and start kicking people's heads off Because they never even learned that before They never learned the defense of Taekwondo It's way different than any other martial art So it's a lot harder for MMA to be on that same level of boxing When it comes to the defensive mindset Of the sport and even if it does get to that level i expect it taking a very very long time i'm talking about decades from now before it gets to the point where it's a lot of point fighting and back then everybody was a lot more reckless and everybody was a lot more one-dimensional but there's still a lot of finishes today a lot of finishes but i will also say this one thing when you see knockouts today they're usually a lot more brutal than ever before a lot more brutal and a lot more flashy and just spectacular I mean look at Yair Rodriguez knocking out Korean Zombie Look at Francis Zagano's uppercut Look at the spinning heel kick knockouts You didn't see any of this stuff before Right before it was just straight right hand knocked you out Big looping haymakers knocked you out Now you're seeing these precise high volume quick rotating attacks They're just putting people senseless Which makes fighters a lot more dangerous and also because of that a lot more dangerous to approach so you do see more of a defensive attitude to everything But I don't see it being that kind of point fight sport that some may be anticipating Harun Lari says that some of the best fights actually went to a decision which is true The best fights have mostly gone to a decision And again there's no way you can say that today is just so point fighty it's so boring We just saw Zhang Wei Li versus Yuan on J Jacek One of the greatest fights of all time We saw Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum. We're constantly seeing these fights. Robbie Lawler versus Warren McDonald is arguably, in a lot of people's minds, not everybody, but a lot of people's minds, the greatest fight that has ever happened in MMA. And that's way past the Just Bleed era. Way past it. Actually, I will go on and say most of the best fights happened way after the Just Bleed era. Hendo versus Shogun. Look at Diego Sanchez versus Gilbert Burns. That was a Just Bleed fight. That fight belonged in that era but it happened years past that almost like a decade past that you know what i'm saying and that just shows the progression it's not going to get to that alarming defcon one state where people just find the sport boring i personally don't think it'll ever happen in our lifetime there's too many skills there's too much to learn there's too many martial arts there's too many things that are coming up that are new in those specific martial arts look at how much bjj has evolved how much it changed. Look at how MMA fighters utilize Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. It's way more flashy now. More submission oriented. Rather than back then it was a lot more slow paced positional work. BJJ has gotten more exciting over the years. So you can even say that fights are just going to get more exciting to watch. More strategic definitely. Because the fighters get more intelligent as time goes on. But it can also be way more entertaining. Personally for me. I've been watching fights for a very long time. And I'll say now. As well as the golden era were the best times to watch MMA. When you had all the dominant champions in every division, Kay Velasquez, John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, Frankie Eger, and Ben Henderson were like changing up, Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz. That was such a great time to watch MMA, in my opinion. And now is the other time, right? Starting from like 2015 till now. Might be the greatest time in MMA history. And it's still going on. Look at Dominic Graves versus Jon Jones. You cannot say you were not entertained by that fight. Especially because the undefeated Jon Jones almost got beaten. And a lot of people's eyes did get beaten for the first time. The skill level is just skyrocketing man. It's growing so quickly. Look at guys like Sean O'Malley. Joe Rogan for an example is blown away by how good Sean O'Malley is. When it comes to his striking. His kicks he said is that of like an experienced Taekwondo fighter even though Sean O'Malley has never done martial arts his entire career before he went into MMA. It blows those older guys like Joe Rogan's minds away, right? Because they're used to watching those older Mirko Krokop and Vanderle Silva and other martial arts in different sports where you need like 10 years at least in those martial arts to get anywhere even in MMA but you have guys like Sean O'Malley and Francis Zanganu who just come into the martial arts scene and blowing away everybody's expectations and they've only been doing it for like three four five maybe even six years not even in a specific martial art just MMA in general and they're already looked at as the future of MMA it's crazy watch the kids after this watch 20 years from now when I'm 45 years old you're going to see these kids, man. It's going to be like ninjas. They're going to make Tony Ferguson look like a turtle. They're going to make Yara Rodriguez look like some beginner parkour kid. You know, these guys are going to be like flipping off the cages and crazy stuff that you never would even expect. It's already happening in BJJ. Eddie Bravo talks about all the time. These break dancers are entering the scene and grappling. And they are just dominating in the training room they're picking it up so quick again an older guy like Eddie Bravo it's blowing away his mind of what he thinks how fast someone has to progress in Brazilian jiu-jitsu to ever get anywhere these guys are coming into the scene one year in one year of training and they're already submitting guys who are like at least five years into grappling crazy I'm so excited for the future of the sport man I'm so excited you guys don't even know for an example of this, back when Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture were fighting and exchanging the light heavyweight belt, what if you would have gone to some of those guys back then? If you went up to Joe Rogan and Randy Couture and some of the other commentators and some of the other personalities of the sport and told them, you know one day we're going to have people jumping off the cage and knocking people down with head kicks? You know one day we're going to see double flying knees? You know we're actually going to see Iminari rolls? They would think you're crazy. That stuff is for movies, man. That stuff will never work. They thought front kicks were for movies. <laughs> they thought front kicks were for... movies go back and watch how crazy Joe Rogan reacted to Anderson Silva's front kick like he's never seen it before or he never expected it to work in MMA everybody throws a front kick now everybody it's so normal what was thought crazy back then to throw is normal today people are jumping off cages now and you don't even see people reacting that much to it like oh yeah he jumped out the cage we've seen that before but when Anthony Pettis dropped Benson Henderson with the showtime kick everyone went bananas about everyone went insane about it it went all over the internet even how limited the internet was back then it became a viral sensation it became something that even today people are practicing in the training room and that was 2010 that was a little bit more than nine years ago and still today it's played on every highlight reel people still think it was a knockout win just how mind-boggling it was to see it people still today think that shot had to have knocked out Benson Anderson but then you go fast forward to Guillermo Rodriguez. He's like doing somersault kicks and stuff. Like craziness man. Craziness. So some people might think that it's going to get more boring. And more focused on point fighting. Man I see something a lot more exciting. And I see something way more high level in the future. So great question. And then we go to Guyuru Fernando. Is the Johnny Walker hype train completely derailed now? Where does he go from now on? Yeah. His train is pretty much derailed. It was a fun hype train man. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to miss that. When he was starching people and like. 50 seconds and nobody was able to get past the first round with him and i say nobody i mean like three people you have to admit the hype was pretty fun sometimes it can cloud our judgment when we see such a dominant champion like john jones we just hope there's someone out there that can challenge him so we just grab onto anybody who's doing something entertaining you know and doing it successfully but he went to for hobby everybody thought it was going to fix his problems he's such a raw material and if anybody can mold that into something strong and sharp It's going to be something like us a hobby, right? He looked a little bit more composed. He looked a little bit more compact with stuff he throws when he fought Nikita Krylov. But it just wasn't enough. His defense is just a giant hole. It just is. I don't know if he could fix it. I don't know what he's going to do from now on. And not just that, Kevin Lee's whole hype train thing got derailed as well. I mean, he had like three hype trains. I don't see Kevin Lee making it to a title shot again, to be honest. I don't see Johnny Walker making it to a title shot. I see Kevin Lee being like the next Jeremy Stevens figure without that long resurgence in his career, right? I think this was one of Kevin Lee's resurgences, and I see Johnny Walker even less than that, to be honest. The best guy he beat was Misha Sirkunov and after that, he's just getting outperformed or just stunned, right? Most of his losses are by knockout. He just has too much of a hole in his defense. He's a guy that's always going to be entertaining to watch, but I don't see him making an inspiring, prestigious accomplishment in the sport, to be honest. He's going to have crazy knockouts. The most I'll give him is going to be like the Edson Barboza of the sport. He's never going to get at that title shot. But maybe later in his career, he might fight a few top contenders. And might even stay somewhere in that top seven space, you know. Having spectacular knockouts, great fights, fun to watch. But not successful and effective enough to be one of the best fighters in the division. And what does he do now? Keep fighting. Train with Ferasa hobby because here's the bad thing. He left a coach. He's gonna leave for us a hobby next. He's gonna leave two coaches. That can play with a fighter's head, man. It might be good if he needs to find the right guy behind him. Because behind every great fighter is a great relationship with their coach. And Walker needs that if he ever wants to get anywhere. He needs to stay with a guy he knows has his back and he trusts to get him better and then we go to loop justinian how much time does it take to develop a good Zhang versus you want to break down when in all caps i could probably make it during this time if you guys still want to see it if I do it, it's gonna come out next week. And then we go to German Clark. Which fighters in the lightweight division have the best chance of outstriking conor McGregor in a fight? And also, how do you think paulo Colza matches up with Izzy? Love your videos and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, man. So which fighter has the best chance of outstriking Conor McGregor in the lightweight division? I'd probably say Tony Ferguson. I was thinking about Edson Barboza, but Edson Barboza is really bad with pressure. But if you're not grappling with him, if you're not wrestling him, he does have more success, like in this Tony Ferguson fight. But again, conor's gonna pressure him. He's gonna be very aware of those kicks and just stay in boxing range the entire fight and just tag on the inside of those looping desperate punches that Barbosa throws to break pressure Tony's a guy that might get knocked out let's be honest here he can get knocked out by Conor McGregor in the first two rounds but what makes him the most compatible in beating Conor McGregor in a striking match throughout five rounds is he obviously has a card to do it He's probably the best striker in the division who can go five rounds very comfortably Tony can strike at a fast pace for five rounds Long reach, really good jab You could disrupt Conor McGregor like Nate Diaz did with that jab He switches stances as well to take off the angles of Conor McGregor's punches That's something that Nate Diaz didn't do He also has the kicks that Nate doesn't throw He's a better version of Nate Diaz overall across the board right knees elbows his clinching very unpredictable combinations I can see him overwhelming Conor McGregor if he doesn't get knocked out in the first two rounds because he leaves his chin open sometimes 100% I believe he would defeat Conor McGregor in a striking match that jab will disrupt everything Conor McGregor is trying to do the kicks to the leg as Conor keeps that long stance the body kick as he switches to orthodox push kicks to keep Conor away at his distance remember he's longer than Conor Conor can't do that same thing like he does to shorter fighters where he baits them in by trapping the lead hand and trying to force out their power hand. Can't do that to Tony Ferguson. He has to get in on this guy. But the dangerous thing about doing that against Tony by trying to make your way inside that range is even if you get in close... He's throwing elbows in your face, right? As you come in on an angle, those elbows, they come from the outside or they come up or down the center. Tony throws every angle in the book with elbows. Nobody really does that. So if Connor's trying to take the outside foot as let's say Tony Ferguson is an orthodox, that left elbow can cut him right open, man. That left elbow's gonna intercept him and cut him open. And there's the other thing. Even if Connor tries to trap the lead hand, Tony's throwing elbows. Okay, look at it like this. If you're on the ground with someone, And they have wrist control on you what is the best way to deliver damage in that position if you're on top let's say right you roll over your arm and land the elbow that's what tito ortiz did to everybody who grabbed his wrist you could do the same thing on the feet connor's trying to take the outside foot he grabs your wrist to take away your jab your lead hand so all you do is you roll over just like you do if you're in someone's guard and you land that elbow intercept them as they're on the outside of your foot and connor never really wants to be on the center line with tony ferguson man those jabs are just going to keep peppering him the entire fight and every single jab is just going to drain him, right? I believe Connor's way of knocking out Tony Ferguson on the feet is strictly because of something Tony Ferguson did that was so much of a mistake, so much of an error. Like he dove in with an elbow and he ran into a left hand, something like that. That's like the only way I can really see Connor McGregor knocking out Tony Ferguson. He could stun him, he might hit him, rock him a few times... But that kind of damage will only be done, I believe, if Tony does something drastically wrong. So yeah, I'll have to say Tony Ferguson has the best chances of outstriking Conor McGregor. And what do I think of Paulo Costa versus Israel Adesanya? So on my number matchup video, some people are asking, where is Paulo Costa for Israel Adesanya's number matchup? Well, here's the thing about Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa, I believe, is a guy who would make Israel Adesanya look really good. Remember, styles make fights, right? Paulo Costa marches on straight lines. He does not take angles. He marches down aggressively, and once he gets you to the cage, now he moves left and right only. It's a very one-dimensional way of moving. I'm moving forward or back, or I'm moving left and right, and that's it. I don't move diagonal. I don't know what that is. That is why he got caught by Yuval Romero got dropped. He got dropped by Uriah Hall for the same reason. Uriah Hall is terribly ineffective when he's pressured. When he's on the cage moving around, he always loses those fights. Even from as early as the Chris Wyman fight to even the Derek Brunson fight, he got knocked out for that reason. Paulo Costa pressured him. Did the same thing. Make him move around. Uriah Hall can't plant to throw the kicks. His punches become a lot more Panicky, still sharp, still fast, but it's very obvious when he throws that straight shot. Polacosta ran into, I think it was a jab or something like that, or a straight left, and Polacosta just walks into and gets dropped. And you could correlate that to Israel Adesanya. Adesanya is great moving backwards. He's longer and taller and maybe even faster than Uriah Hall. He's very composed as well, with a lot more experience in kickboxing of getting backed up constantly. He has seen a guy like Polacosta countless times. He's not that unpredictable. Like Yuval Romero. He's not as explosive of staying on the outside and darting his way in like Robert Whittaker. He's not a human refrigerator like Kelvin Gaslam who will run through shots and stay in his face the entire time. Paulo Costa has been dropped twice already in his UFC career. And the other thing is, Paulo Costa does not parry jabs. He has a very hard time getting away from jabs. The reason why you don't see it that often... Is because he's pressing the opponent backwards. And his opponents are usually the kind of fighter who throws jabs moving backwards. That's the only reason. When he's in the center of the cage, you see him getting peppered with jabs. I think it was actually by Uriah Hall, if I'm not mistaken. And he just could not get around it. Trying to parry, but they're hitting his face. You don't want that kind of thing with Adesanya. Because it's not just, I'm hitting you with jabs. When it comes to Adesanya. That might be the thing with Raya Hall, right? I'm hitting you with jabs and that's it. When you look at Adesanya and if he's hitting you with jabs, yes, he's creating damage and yes, he's catching you and yes, he's getting his distance and timing down and his precision down, but he is already calculating to set you up for something. That's the difference here. If Adesanya hits you with a jab, he's already got something down for you the next time. I'm gonna hit you with a jab and come up with a right high kick. I'm gonna hit you with a jab and do a left question mark kick over your shoulder right behind my jab. There's a lot of things... That Adesanya could throw at someone like Paulo Costa that completely confuses him. And I think personally, Paulo Costa, as great as he is, he's an amazing fighter. I see him being a lot of fighters in this division. But I think fighting Israel Adasanya is a really bad fight for him. I think it's a fight that's going to make us all forget what happened with the Adesanya versus Waldo Romero fight. Almost like what happened with Anderson Silva, right? Anderson Silva has some boring fights. Damian Maya tells latest his next performance he blew the roof off the place and people forgot about those poor performances. That's why I think will happen with Adesanya if he fights Paulo Costa. To be honest, I think he knocks out Paulo Costa. And also Paulo Costa has really really short arms. He throws haymakers a lot. I don't think he's gonna reach Adesanya's chin. So great questions. And then we go to David Shexnader. When a fighter throws a kick, they often spin a 360 to reset. How come their opponents never rush in during this spin to attack? Well, one, it can be pretty hard. It depends how fast they're spinning. The other thing is, when the fighter is spinning after throwing a kick, there's always that cautious that something else is going to come, right? They're spinning, so they might expect a spinning back fist instinctively, a spinning kick instinctively. But yes, I've seen many times where a fighter spins after throwing a kick and the opponent does not engage them when they could have. So in general, it's just a level of danger that they don't know of, right? There's an unknown about when someone's spinning. Do I engage or do I not? What do I do here? You know what I will usually say? If someone is spinning, yes, there could be an opportunity to land a head strike as they're spinning to reset. But what I think is a lot more safe to do is go under for the body shot, throw a kick of your own. From long range or go for a takedown Don't really go for head strikes Because you enter a land of the unknown You get into a 50-50 fight here Because if they're throwing spinning back fist, They're going to hit you first Because they're already in rotation Yes the reward is massive right Because if you land that big right hand on them They go out Because they're turning their head right into it But if they catch you first and they're throwing the spinning back fist, you're out. That's just how it goes. I will say, go to the body. You move in. If you see a drastic change in tempo really quickly, you go under for the body shot because they're turning into it, right? So if you can land a crushing body shot to the ribs, they're also exposing the liver area, ribs, all that stuff. Land something hard there, right? You're getting on the inside. And also, if they do throw that spinning back fist, they're going over your head because you ducked under. You'll rarely ever see someone throwing a spinning back fist and aim low. You know you never see that. They aim it high. You go under it. You catch the body shot and from there you can clinch up or you can go up for an uppercut. After spinning back fist usually fighters arms are wide open because of the momentum they have to use with their arms to throw that spinning back fist. So they open themselves up again. Right hand lands. Spinning back fist over your head. You come up for the left uppercut. Right straight down the center. Jab just to keep a distance just in case you know. If they're getting wild. That's a very safe way to approach it. Another thing is after they throw a kick usually now this isn't always the case if you're fighting a taekwondo fighter change your method probably because they will double up on their kick but if it's just some other fighter and they throw a big round kick and they miss and they're spinning to reset you could throw a spinning kick to the body as they're rotating into it you're both orthodox you can throw your own right round kick as they're spinning into it if they're southpaw you probably want to throw a spinning heel kick as they're rotating because they're turning their head into it and they might not have their eyes on you that will be an instant knockout 100% and also the safety about this is, usually again fighters are not going to double up on their kicks A taekwondo fighter, maybe a karate fighter might do that But usually you don't see that What they try to do is they try to throw their hands after spinning back fist. Your kick is longer than their arms You'll catch them from a distance while their spinning back fist falls short. Now here's the last thing. The takedown. Pretty much like what I said about going for the body shot. You enter with the jab to measure really quick. You duck in right after you throw it. Jab measure. I'm ready going in for the takedown. They're not going to do a thing about it. There's nothing they can do about that. Takedowns will come very easy. Because when you're spinning around. You're crossing over your feet. Easy takedown. Grab hips. Both legs. Drag them right to the ground. And usually you'll probably get to their back. Because they're going to land on all fours. And then we go to Eric Kelgren If Jones committed fully to a criminal life. Could he become like a drug lord or maybe a mafia boss seems like he has tremendous skill in criminology wait john jones studied criminal justice in college what he didn't graduate but he studied criminal justice in college he knows the in and outs when it comes to the enemy of the side right so he already knows a little bit about that he could make it somewhere up there on the criminal life scene Um, I don't think he would be a Mafia boss or drug lord. I think he'll be that guy. He's like the number one bodyguard. Or he's like one of the right-hand men of the Mafia boss. You know what I'm saying? He's that guy when the Mafia boss invites you to a quote-unquote dinner. But he's really setting you up. it's probably your last day, right? When you enter the room, that dark room with some candles, maybe a lamp in the corner, private server that's ready to serve both of you. And the mafia boss is already sitting on the table john jones is the guy that's right at the door inside the room not outside the room the outside guy he's not that special the guy inside the room that's standing next to the door that guy's special that's john jones that's the guy he's the guy that will answer if anything goes south in the room right if you're inside the room the mafia boss likes you he trusts you you're outside the room man you know you you can't stay with us man we don't like you the stats Life production said jones is too easily caught to be a drug lord (laughs) true man yeah he can't handle that stuff he has to be like an enforcer and then we go to silent gaming elite uh when your 2020 nightmare matchups coming so that's done number two what are your thoughts on gilbert burns being only the second man to ever KO maya he's not only the second guy to KO maya he's the only guy in 11 years to knock out Demi maya that's a special special thing especially look at who dami maya fought let me let me look at this really quick Anderson Silva Mark Munoz Chris Wyman, Dong Hyun Kim Rick Story Rory McDonald Gunnar Nelson Matt Brown Carlos Condon Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley Colby Covington Kamaru Usman Lyman Good, Andy Rocco Martin Ben Askren And none of those guys That is crazy man That was all after his loss to Nate Marquardt 2009 where he got knocked out in 21 seconds He gets knocked out by Gilbert Burns in 2 minutes and 34 seconds Of the first round Special achievement and what that showed is Gilbert Burns has dangerous hands that everybody has to respect. Everybody already knows. Don't go to the ground with this guy. He's too dangerous, too experienced, too good there. We're going to engage him on the feet, right? That's usually what the gameplay would be. He can knock you out like that. I mean, he's had crazy knockouts in the past, but he knocked out Damian Maya with one shot. There's a big reason why I put him as one of the biggest number matchups for Kamara Usman. I think he beats a lot of guys, man. He's another Thiago Santos Anthony Smith character. He's a guy at lightweight who didn't make it anywhere. Wins and losses, lost badly, won some good fights. Ultimately, just, you know, journeyman. That just seemed like what he was going to be. Goes up to welterweight and just starts pointing performances on. So he went up and his first fight was against Alexei Kunchenko. That's a tough fight for your first in the welterweight division, right? Alexei Kunchenko is a very experienced kickboxer, big guy, powerful, fast. Fights him and beats him everywhere it went pretty much Fights Gunnar Nelson beats him pretty much everywhere it goes Knocks out Damian Maia I'm really excited for this guy man Number 3 rank your favorite champions of all time from each division Heavyweight would have to be 100% Fedor Emelianenko Light heavyweight probably Chuck Liddell Middleweight Anderson Silva Welterweight Robbie Lawler 100% When he was the champion I wish he never would lose I wish he would be a champion forever Lightweight when Anthony Pettis was the champ i was really happy he was putting on performances he was knocking people out submitting people left and right he was extremely extremely marketable and i think he would have been something really special featherweight for sure jose aldo bantamweight i would have said cody garbrandt but man when he makes those huge mistakes it's just not fun to watch sometimes so i'll probably say tj dillashaw flyweight dj obviously women's bantamweight amanda Nunes for sure and woman strawweight I would say Rose Yunus. Number five how does prime Dominic Cruz do in today's bantamweight division I think he does pretty well He's got very hard fights because let's be honest about Dominic Cruz's bantamweight career He didn't have a lot of guys to fight He has some good guys but there wasn't a large variety of them you know There wasn't a huge pool of talented fighters So I think he does pretty well but I think he stays somewhere in like top five Maybe becomes champion but I think he will lose it even if he does number six how do you think the goats of every division in the prime would do against the top 10 of every division um i'm gonna skip number six because that would take a while i really want to get to some other questions because you had a lot here number seven finally i have a friend that i'm trying to get into mma what would be your best way or method of turning them into a fan love your videos look forward to them all the time thank you so much man and that's a really good question so how to create a fan out of someone who is finally becoming a bit interested in the sport everyone's different i'll show him anderson silva i'll show him the robbie Lahr versus Warren mcdonald fight but then again i don't know exactly 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 why they would be a fan what exactly draws them into it is it the wars the violence the activity the technical side of it i know a lot of people the the action and the violence is what gets them in there's a great series on youtube that the ufc put up and that is like the biggest moments of every de- of every year. I will show your friends some of that. Because it summarizes pretty much everything that's gone on over like the past 10 years. And if they're interested in anything specifically of what they see. And you can explain to them like this guy right here, Anderson Silva. Or this guy, Conor McGregor. Or whoever it is. You know, if you explain how great they were. And if your friend... Gets interested in anything that happens in those videos, then you know what to really focus on and what to really show them as advice. Like, you like the Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler fight? Yo, man, there's a lot of fights like this, and you can give them like the Wei Lee versus Yuana fight that just happened. You can give them Izzy versus Kevin Gaslum fight. You could show them Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua and show this is what Robbie Lawler versus Warren McDonald was, but back in the day, These are the older guys that went to war like this And these are legends that did this So there's many ways you could do it You just have to know their taste And that's the great thing about MMA That's something that a lot of other sports don't really have A lot of other sports are pretty much the same thing on repeat MMA in general is different every time It's different every time. There's something for everybody. When you look at basketball, at least in my eyes, maybe because I'm a normie when it comes to that stuff. But when I look at basketball, everybody's doing the same thing. I can't really tell anybody apart. They do a couple things different here and there, but not drastically different that you can notice with the naked eye. You know, if you just see it once and, oh, well, everyone's doing the same thing. What's so special? Every game looks the same. Someone just gets more points than the other. In MMA, you see so many different wild, obvious techniques are getting thrown right if you look at Yara Rodriguez and you look at Dan Henderson anybody can see the difference anybody a normie can a casual fan can that's what makes MMA so exciting there's something for everybody we go to Jason Raskon what combo of punches do you like to see being thrown during a fight and which combo is most effective in your opinion one big one I want to see more is a jab lead hook combo such a good combo so safe to throw and can knock people out boxers do it all the time MMA fighters never do that they never throw that I see a couple double left hooks from Zabit which is great but jab left hook right if they try to slip on of your jab left hook is coming right it's safe it's both of the lead hand you always have your power hand up to protect yourself and you can always lean away when you're throwing your lead hand and you can even go to the body right if you start going to that with it they start covering up jab to the head body hook instead or you can go body jab left hook over the top really good combo to throw and what's the most effective combo the one two three jab straight lead hook and then we go to D how do you see Dillashaw doing after his time off and who does he return against also can you see the winner of Habib Tony drawing GSP back and who does better against him Habib or Tony and how would Gabriel Mousasi do against Adesanya Dillashaw coming back it's impossible to know because we don't know if he's been doing PDs his entire career there's an argument that he only did it to get down to 125 and there's also the argument that he did his entire career because once you get caught, the stigma sticks with you almost forever. Until you get strictly tested to the point where it's like, okay, they don't do it anymore, a la Chris Cyborg. So how do I see him doing? I can't say. It's impossible. He can come up the same. If he comes back the same way he was, he will be one of the top fighters in the division. If he comes back better, which is a possibility, if he comes out better because he's been training this entire time, he probably will become the champion. Dillashaw's skills are among the best in the bantamweight division. Without PEDs, you just look at his technique and the things he goes for. He is a bit ahead of the pack with a lot of things. Or if he comes out worse because the PEDs have left his body. He's not the same fighter. I see him getting starched by a lot of guys. To be honest, if he doesn't come out the same, I think the decline will be much greater than an incline if he shows up better. And who's he returned against? There's a lot of guys. Dominic Cruz rematch since it seems like Corey Sanhagen and Cruz are not going to be fighting. Mahler Morais and Petr Yan loser probably would be a good one. But that's just the bad part of all this. He's going to be gone for two years. And he really has little choice of a tune-up fight. And as competitive as he is, to all the people that talk about how competitive Dillashaw is in the training room, I do not see him wanting a tune-up fight. I see him wanting the best guys right away. I don't know if he has that kind of ring rust. I don't know if he's the kind of guy that shows up from a long layoff and just doesn't perform. No idea. And here's the other thing. If that happens, if he shows up with ring rust, people are automatically going to say it's because the PEDs left his body. 100% I can see it right now. So there's a higher probability that Dillashaw will show up worse than ever before. It might be ring rust or it might be the PEDs leaving his body. And then Habib vs Tony. Can they draw GSP back? Probably, especially if Habib wins, because GSP has gone on and said that he wants to be the first one to defeat Habib, right? That's a huge accomplishment. So, especially if Habib beats Tony, he's probably the only guy in the UFC that can draw GSP back into the sport. I don't even think Conor McGregor can do that. Because GSP's in it for the legacy. And he's talked about it before. He's not too interested in fighting Conor. And who would be a better matchup. I think Tony's a harder fight. Tony's a much harder fight for GSP than Habib is. Because Habib cannot handle GSP on the feet. GSP has great takedown defense. He has a better blast double than Habib. He's a really good wrestler. Really good grappler. Even if he gets to the ground. And he's a little bit bigger probably naturally. He's very long as well. 76 inch reach. It'd be a tough fight for Habib. Tony though being longer... Actually, having more power than Habib on the feet, probably more variety, better striker overall. He throws a lot more things on the feet than even GSP does, and he's a great scrambler. I see a GSP holding down Tony, but if you look at the Bisming fight, Bisping cut up GSP from the bottom with elbows nobody does that better than Tony Ferguson nobody GSP was doing better in the stand-up against Michael Bisping than when he took him to the ground when he took him to the ground he was actually getting hurt same thing can happen when he fights Tony Ferguson but at a larger degree so 100% Tony's a much harder fight for GSP than Khabib is and how would Gegard Mousasi do against Adesanya Gegard is a weird guy man because sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't it's weird when he shows up He's one of the best fighters on the planet. When he doesn't show up, he just kind of shies away. Like he doesn't do anything. I don't know what it is. I really don't know. So if the best version of Gegard shows up against Adesanya, it will be a pretty dangerous fight. But I ultimately see Adesanya picking him apart from a distance and outpointing him. And then we go to Mauro Medrado. If GSP were to come back and fight in lightweight today, which fighters in the top 10 would be the favorites against them and why? None of them would. The only guy that might be a favorite is Habib, just because he's a champion. And just because he's so dominant. And even if he is. It's going to be like a minus 130, 140 favorite. Something like that. Nobody else will be a favorite. Even if Tony defeats Habib. I don't think he'll be a favorite. And the reason for that is. GSP is just that good. That's just what it is. He's just that good. He's so good that he can make Habib and Tony be an underdog against him. Coming back from the sport. What? Three years later. And especially because after he came back to fight Michael Bisming, He took that long time off. He beat Michael Bisping at a higher weight class and actually finished him, which is something that GSP doesn't really do. GSP barely finishes anybody, especially a prime GSP. So we know that he could come back from a long layoff and show up really nice and really sharp. There's going to be very little doubt that GSP will not show up strong. That will also play into him being a favorite. And then we go to the Twitter questions. We're going to start with at Chris D. Troll. Do fight fans, boxing and MMA fans, miss out? By always focusing on who is the greatest of all time. Some of the best fights from all eras are not champion level. Yes. But greatness is what always is going to be a focus for everything. Not just fighting and sports. But everything right. But the difference with fighting is. Fights itself is an entirely different category than fighters. Right. There's a category for the greatest fights. And sometimes right. Like you said. The best fights are not between two of the best fighters. Diego Sanchez versus Gilbert Melendez was a wild fight it was a fight that a lot of people will remember it's a fight that a lot of casual fans would really enjoy to watch not the greatest fighters really good fight you also have yancy Medeiros versus alex Oliveira. i was personally there in attendance for it everybody stood up when that fight ended two guys more looked at as journeymen of the sport put on one of the best fights of all time in my opinion i'm recommending right now it's a fight all of you guys should watch again it was bonkers crazy i tweeted out that uh shane burgos versus kelvin cater in my opinion one of the best fights i've ever seen but they were very young people will say in the future they're gonna be top talent but when they fought each other they weren't they were prospects of the sport more so green fighters when it comes to experience man they put on a show for everybody so yes you're 100 right we're probably a little bit too focused on who is the greatest of all time for example i talk about it all the time cars that don't have those greatest fighters on it don't have the name value they tend to be the most exciting cards look at John Jones right John Jones for example is one of the greatest fighters of all time when you look at his skill most people most fans of the sport will say that John Jones is one of the greatest of all time if not the greatest of all time but let's be honest most of his fights are not that fun to watch GSP greatest fighter of all time not the most exciting fighter to watch but then you look at like Mike Perry right Mike Perry so fun to watch Nico Price so fun to watch Abdul Razak al-Hassan John Lineker these guys are really fun to watch and always put on amazing fights but they're just not the greatest of all time so a lot of people just don't know them then we go to at Stone. three E's at the end Kevin Lee mentioned taking a few years off after his loss at 27 years old say he takes three years off to master his skills with for us, a Hobby and GSP could we realistically see a better kevin lee down the road how would the light welterweight division look when he returns interesting question so he did say he's gonna take time off but it looked like more of a quitting thing not quitting but like man things are not going the way i want moving to the ferrassa Abby camp just didn't work out i don't know what to do i'm gonna take time off from the sport and just think about things that's what it seems like he's doing not necessarily i'm gonna go to the gym and work harder you know that's just not what I got from Kevin Lee. Part of me thinks that Kevin Lee regrets, or thinks that even going for Asahabi is not going to fix him. That's what it seems like. Hopefully, he trains more. Three years he's barely been for us. This is his second fight, and he fought Charles Oliveira, who might even. What if he becomes champion? And let's just say he can possibly be Habib, right? He would have a good fight with Tony Ferguson. So if he goes and loses Charles Oliveira, and let's say Oliveira becomes champion. This loss looks like nothing. It's like, oh, you lost one of the best fighters, man. No reason to hang your head down for that. You've been barely training with Faraz Train more. Train three years. So let's say he trains three years. And he takes it seriously. Very focused on getting better. Listens to the coach. And gets better as a community. Learns from GSP and changes his style a little bit. Yeah, we will definitely see a better Kevin Lee. But I just don't see him ever becoming champion, to be honest. Or even being like a top three fighter. And how will the divisions look from three years from now? Well, I think Habib and Tony retire conor mcgregor might be out of the picture usman will have lost but i think he loses later like two years from now i think hori mazdal retires damian maya is out of the picture stephen thompson retires tyron woodley probably retires i could see the champion of the lightweight division being like a charles Oliveira, islam Makhachev figure the champion of the welterweight division is really hard to say three years from now i see that belt changing hands a lot like, I don't see a dominant champion for a while there. But with all the fighters retiring, I see a lot of talent. Like, a lot of new guys coming in. Welterweight and lightweight breeds the most fighters in MMA. Most people naturally would fight between 170 and 145. So, there will be a lot of talent. So, that's the end of the podcast, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, make sure you like. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening to the audio version of this. And I did get a new PC. So, thank you to my patrons. Thank you to Patreon. I was able to finally get a PC, a really good one. That's not gonna give me any problems. Videos are probably gonna come up quicker now. And I might be able to actually stream because my other computer is a bit old. I don't think it can handle streaming that well. But this one should have no problems. So my next podcast, which will be next week, possibly stream it. Possibly live stream it. So be lucky for that. I will keep you guys updated and stuff. And I'll see you guys then.